But sometimes when TU plays drums, something happens in my soul. <laughs> and I was just playing, and I turned, and he had his headphones on, he couldn't hear, I just turned around and went. And, and I don't think I've ever seen a man more uncomfortable in my life. Um, but he was busy keeping rhythm, so there wasn't anywhere he could go. But I do, I love you too. You're drumming. Gets me going. So there we go. I love this church. Who else loves this church? Oh, yeah. Um, I am excited for this morning. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for... It's the best birthday gift you could have given me coming to this service. And uh, I know you are in for a treat. Um, I want to do as little of the talking as possible today. I just want to facilitate good conversation. Uh, partly because my voice is almost gone anyway. But we're going to take just a moment. We've got some chairs. Yeah, if we could get four stools across here, that'd be awesome. Uh, you're sorting out, you've got the mics all switched and changed for me. That's wicked. Uh, we're going to sort that out. Uh, while we're doing that, why don't you turn to someone really quickly and just take 30 seconds to tell them. It doesn't have to be about church. Just something that you've been dreaming of. Maybe it's a dream for you. Maybe it's a dream for your kids. Maybe it's a dream for your church or your job, whatever it may be. Just take 30 seconds, tell someone real quick something you've been dreaming of. sitting next to someone that's got a great dream let me tell you just put your hand up don't like if they've shared their heart with you and you go like that's a tear don't do that so good hey can you join me this morning uh we're going to do proper introductions but we're ex- i'm especially for goodness i am especially excited to be able to welcome some representatives from our very own baptist union the bigger family that we are part of, uh, they're going to come up and join me now. Can you please put your hands together, give a warm Marlboro welcome to Charles, to Chris, and to Bradley as they come. Look at them. Hey! Take a seat, guys. Anyone that's got a mic on it, make sure you grab it before you sit down. What have I done with my folder? I had a little black folder. Where's it gone? Hello. No, that's a book. (laughs) That's it. There we go. Thanks for keeping it warm. It's good. <sighs> oh, this is going to be fun. I've already uh, been hanging out with these guys a little bit over the last, well, just last night, really, wasn't it? Because I was in bed sick before that. Well, we got to celebrate your birthday with you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you did. Yeah. You don't look 40. <laughs> Depends who you ask, actually. Some of the youth put me at 42 the last time I asked them. I'm like, Griff, hey, I want you to be aware of what you take. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my personal bodyguard. <laughs> so good. Um, what would be really cool, because some of you might know some of these people, whether you've met them, seen them before. Some of you might know their faces if you have ever done a little bit of Googling or you've seen emails I've sent out. But really quickly, in let's say 
60 seconds, I don't know, whatever. I, once it's, you've got the mic in your hand, you can do what you want. Just who you are, a little bit about what you do, and your family and so forth. Kia ora koutou. I'm Chris Chamberlain from, uh, from Christchurch. I'm married to Julie. Uh, we've got three adult kids. Technically, they're adult. Um, and uh, and a couple of grandkids. I've previously been um, a pastor in, uh, in Greymouth, at the Baptist Church in Greymouth. Uh, I remember years and years and years ago, we, uh, we ended up having a holiday and we had an opportunity to stay uh, in Picton with this old, this old Baptist couple. And um, they're there. They're, there they are. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and... Um, yeah, um, uh, my previous church is Oxford Terrace in, in Christchurch Central, and uh, these days I'm um, the regional leader for the Upper South Baptist Association that, um, that we're a part of. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of took you over. Yeah, it was a takeover. The top of the South took us over. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. exactly yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Kia ora. Uh, <clears throat> I'm uh, Brad Bradley, and... Uh, I'm married to, uh, to Priscilla and have a three-year-old uh, three daughter. Um, I'm involved with a, uh, with a, with a couple, of, um, couple of things. Um, they come from the same, uh, same church as, uh, as, as Chris, and I, uh, I, I live, um, I live uh, there, and what do I, what do, I do? <laughs> what don't you do? I um I count so I, I um, yeah and and I solve problems usually his problems so I, I guess I, I guess the best I, I kind of do what Sue does yeah, for, Sue, uh, yeah, for, for, for for Shannon um and so I do the work and and he does um no, I'm good at talking too so um I, I, a couple of a couple of things I, so I sit on um, New Zealand Baptist uh, Mission Society uh, Mission Council and um and, and then also as a um, as a day job I run a um, a charitable company that is owned by our um, by our church, Oxford Terrace uh, Baptist Church, at the um, at the moment, and we manage uh, property and finance on behalf of um, multiple churches and trusts, but mostly um, I play Monopoly for Jesus. That, that might be the best description I've ever heard of it. That's brilliant. That's awesome. Charles. Yeah, Marina, everyone. Um, my name's Charles, and um, I come from Auckland. I was born in Martin. Yeah. Martin, a small farming community. Uh, wow, yeah, okay, yeah, first 15 years of my life uh, wow. was in Martin, Martin, yeah. But we, um, we attend uh, Eastgate Christian Centre, which is a big Baptist church in Auckland, and far out, you know, um, they have hundreds and hundreds attend there. I don't think we worship anything like you do at Connect <laughs> Church here. That was very awesome. Um, I love this church, yeah. Um, the thing that defines me the most, I reckon... Um, which you know, I always love to tell people about is probably my family. I'm married to Joanne. Um, our first daughter died when she was 13 of brain cancer. Um, I have a young adult son, profoundly disabled, cognitive ability of about a nine-month baby, and um, we have a we have a 16-year-old daughter who's doing well. So so much of my life um, is spent with people for whom life is really hard, and um, and, and, and and trying to love them and to be Jesus to them. Yeah, um, national leader of the Baptist churches in New Zealand. So um, we have about 240 faith communities. We have about 500 pastors. And um, yeah, my job is to, is to look after them and to, and to care for them. So yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. So. <laughs> They're just impressed with who you are before they've even. 
so the plan for this morning, I've just got some questions that I want to ask these guys. With the idea being, I want us to kind of be sparked to dream. If I can remind some of you and tell some of you for the first time a story, back in about 2018, 2019, right before COVID, uh, remember life before COVID? Remember that world? Yeah. Everything was just so full of hope and possibility and, and all that sort of thing. And then we kind of lost that a little bit and we started to think all doom and gloom. But we had a meeting around about that time. And it was around what we were going to do with our budget for the next year. And one of the questions that I asked everyone, some of you might have been at that meeting, some of you are like, this was before my time. And, and one of the things that we did is I gave every table, mixed table, intergenerational, I gave 15, I think there were about 15 items on that list. And I went, put these in the order of highest to lowest priority. And not necessarily in monetary amount, but just as an importance to make sure they're in the budget. And there were some pretty good things in there. I think number one was adequately paid staff. So Sue and I were quite happy with that at that stage and you know, because you told us you wanted us to have a pay rise and we did that. Um, as we went down the list, things got more and more murky. And what interested me is right down the bottom, kind of right towards 15, we had some things around there that were all to do with property and buildings and logistics, you know, all those sorts of things. Because, and I think what comes out of that is we as the church, we realize we're about people, right? We're not about property. But then two questions later, just long enough for everyone to forget about that, I asked a dream question. And I said, if, if, if Blenheim Baptist Church, as we were still known at that stage, had unlimited funds, unlimited time, unlimited resources, what would we do? And every table, without exception, talked about purpose-built facilities and housing opportunities and, and all the things that when we've been asked to prioritise, we'd put right down the bottom of the list. And so here's what I know as someone who has to live in a bit of a space of dreaming and also reality, is that when we're asked to dream and when we're asked to plan, sometimes we engage completely different parts of our brain. I want us today to practise engaging that dream part of our brain so that we might engage, because that's our word this year, right? Engage our plans and our priorities with what our dreams are, with what God's dreams are. And these guys are here as catalysts because they're dreamers. And I mean that in the most positive sense <laughs> that I could possibly mean it. Uh, so I'm just going to ask them some questions. And throughout, maybe, we might do some, some sort of intercordial. We'll see what happens. Uh, we'll see what we get time for. But Charles, if I can start with you. Absolutely. I will always associate you with two words. Every time I've heard you speak, they come out. And those words are gospel renewal. You talk about them a lot. Yep. Can you talk to us, because some of these people won't have heard you talk about them, can you just talk to us as, as our national leader about gospel renewal? Yeah, well, well in my role as your national leader, yeah, I don't think there are two more important words to me, gospel renewal. Because, um, you see, we, we live in a world, don't we, that's not functioning as it should do. It's not um, the way that God designed it to be. And, and gospel renewal, for me, is about the, the restoration, uh, the restore of everything that sin has marred and destroyed. And, 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 and there's nothing more exciting than that. There, there will never be a greater calling in our life than restoring all that sin uh, has damaged and, and marred. Uh, that's worth giving your life to. And I love um, traveling up and down our nation 
and saying, you know, this is the best calling that you can have. Restoring things that have gone wrong. And so when I talk about the Baptist family of churches in New Zealand, which Connect Church is part of, uh, I, I say we're a collective of faith communities from the top of the north to the bottom of the south, 240 of us, we're just a collective of faith communities whose purpose is to bring gospel renewal to people and places in our local neighbourhoods, where we find ourselves. And um, that's all I really want to talk about. <laughs> that's that's all, all I think the calling is upon the Baptist family of, of, of churches in New Zealand. And I talk about gospel renewal a lot because I hope that it captures the hearts of our churches, that it, that, it, that it shapes the decisions we make. Gospel renewal. Am I, I ought to read a Bible verse? I, I wrote a Bible verse. Because I get really excited. I want our churches to understand, um, to have the same excitement about the gospel that the Apostle Paul had. Romans 1, 16 to 17. You, you'll know these verses really well. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. And, 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 and there are three things about that verse um, that, that shape my thinking on gospel renewal, um, um, Shannon. Firstly, our gospel is of God. I want our churches to understand that, uh, Shannon. You know, th this, this God thing, thank you for my drink. This, this God thing, you know, it, it wasn't made up by, by the Apostle Paul or, 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 um, or the Apostles. It's just not some clever idea that man's come up with. The gospel we have is of God. And, and, then, and then in this verse, he actually goes on to say the gospel we proclaim is the very power of God. I think this is what you were, you were saying when you, you were sharing uh, um, it is the very power of God. It's a supernatural power from God. Its substance is Jesus Christ. And this supernatural power that you have at Connect Church <laughs> is able to bring gospel renewal to people and places. And the third thing in that verse, I don't know if you picked it up, I read it quickly, is that it actually works. It actually works. Because yeah. he, he, says, he says here that, that a righteousness from God is being revealed. Um, it, it's, it's the message that puts right uh, all that is wrong. And so, you know, um, I think a lot of our time, even as Christians, um, Shannon, as followers of Jesus, you know, we, 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 we forget that the things of God aren't, aren't like the things of this world. Oh, if only we had a bit more money. You know, if only we had a few more clever ideas. If only we had a bit more power, a bit more education, you know, and a bit more charisma, and so on and so on. No, no, God says, those things, are, they don't compare to those. My ways are way greater than those things. Yeah. And so when I talk about, I really am preaching, I'm sorry. When I talk about gospel renewal uh, in our family of churches, and in the church in New Zealand, wider, of course. But in our family of churches, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, faith communities that, that, that get excited that we have the very power of God um, working with us. Yeah. 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 Awesome. So, again, Charles, in your space, you talked about these 240 Baptist churches. It's a big family. 
lots of brothers and cousins and all sorts of things. You must dream for them. Now, a big part of that is about us finding our own way and needs in our community. But I imagine that you have some form of broad brushstrokes that you, when you, you know, I like to think you pray for us. Uh, when you pray for Connect, what do you, what's your dream for this? Yeah, well, I hope, I hope, I hope my answer doesn't disappoint you, <laughs> um, Shannon, because I, th- I know we'll get, you know, to, to, to some more specifics later on. But um, my, my dream for the Baptist family of churches in New Zealand, for, for you here at Connect Church, is this, that your eyes would be firmly fixed on Jesus. Um, that's the only um, key performance indicator I'm interested in being measured on. Have you ever shared that and, and a pastor been disappointed? Let's not answer that question this morning. But it is an interesting thing to think about because often they will jump to, to money right. or to technology right. or to ideas. Come on, Charles, move on. We, we want to we get to... to yeah. No, 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 no. It is Jesus who sets the priority for this church. If it is Jesus who will show you how to look after your neighbourhood in Blenheim. It's God's word that we need to feed on. It's his gospel that will change this town. And so we have to... You know, another Bible verse. I like the Bible. Yeah, this, is, this is Paul again. What is more, I consider everything else a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Uh, what, what are the things that, that we're clinging on to here? Um, it, might, might be, it might be our popularity. It, it might be our money. Uh, it might be our positions, our roles. Um, are we prepared to give them up for the kingdom? Are we prepared to give them up for Christ? Mm. You know, this is about dreaming, isn't it? It's, it's about vision. It's about, about direction. Um, it is about making bold and courageous decisions for the gospel. And um, I tell you, if we haven't got our eyes firmly fixed on Jesus, then, it, then it's very hard to consider the attractive things of this world as rubbish. Right. And, and, and here, here Paul is saying... Um, no, 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 no. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. You know, when, when Connect Baptist, when we Connect Church, when you have your eyes firmly fixed on Jesus, you will see someone filled with compassion, weeping because of what he sees in the world. You, you'll, see, you'll see a person who, who is others-centered. Uh, you, you'll, you, you'll see someone who, who welcomes everyone. Not, not just a certain group, but, but everyone. You, you, you'll, you'll see a person who, who, who advocated for others. He questioned the status quo. When you have your eyes fixed on Jesus, you'll see a person who was able to affect change. He didn't just sit around and talk about it, Shannon. He made it happen. Uh, he, 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 he got alongside people, and he caused change. 
and this is my dream for Connect here, that your eyes will be firmly fixed on Jesus, that you will be compassionate, that you will be other-centered, that you will welcome all people, that you will question the status quo, and that you will make change happen. Because when that happens, this church will thrive, and this town will change. Yeah. So, yeah, I know a couple of very general, general things. But, 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 but my prayer, I pray that your eyes will be firmly fixed on Jesus for the purpose of restoring all that sin has marred and destroyed in this town, in your neighborhood, in the streets that, that, that you live in. Yeah. Awesome. How good. Hey, I know you two have come to share as well. <laughs> um, Chris, I remember sitting at the regional meeting, uh, I think it was la- this year, last year. And you talked in a way about Baptists that I'd never heard it before. I love being a Baptist. But sometimes there's a reputation that exists about Baptists from outside, those who don't really know us and so on. But you used a word that I'd never heard. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I've heard him use a few words that I didn't think would come out of a pastor's mouth either. But the, the word, it, was, it wasn't R-rated, but it was an R-word. You talked about Baptists as radicals. Now, I know, you know, I've got some Pentecostal friends, and their joke usually isn't about Baptists as radicals. But you not only said it, you backed it up, that actually our roots, our, our whakapapa is, a, is radical. Maybe for those of us who don't know that, you want to fill us in. Um, I, I could talk for ages about where Baptists come from. I've, I've found it very compelling to go back to our source, to our origins, to our beginnings. Um, where, where, where did Baptists begin? And yes, uh, uh, in, in the first place, and at points along the way, when Baptists are really being true to, to, uh, to who they are, they're extremely radical. Um, go back to the 1500s, uh, Anabaptists, Anna, Anabaptists, Anna means again. And so back in those times, you had to be a member of the, um, the one church, the state church. Uh, if you did anything uh, outside of that frame of, of reference, you were in strife, you were probably putting your life in danger. Scriptures began to become um, accessible, and people started reading them for themselves. And this guy, his name was Dirk Willems. Go home and Google Dirk Willems, and you'll find stories about him. He, um, he reads scripture for himself. He uh, realizes that he has to be baptized as, as a believer, not um, somebody doing it on his behalf when he's, a, when he's um, you know, uh, little. And um, so he does that. And, he, and because of that, he gets arrested. He gets locked up. And in his reading of scripture, he realizes that uh, God wants him to be a peacemaker, a reconciler. And um, for some reason, he decides to break out of jail. He escapes from jail and he runs. <laughs> this is in Holland. So um, um, a lot of people, when they hear the word Baptist, they think of North America and Southern Baptists. Um, our, our roots really, if you want to go back to um, a slightly um, a better place, maybe, go back to Europe and, and we start in Holland. This guy, he, he escapes from jail. He runs across a frozen lake, and a guard chases him. And Dirk Willems, he gets across the lake. The guard must have been carrying a bit much armor or something. He falls through the ice. 
and he starts to freeze to death and to drown. And Dirk Willems, he has been radically transformed by reading the gospel. He's been baptized. He's realized that he has a calling on his life to be a reconciler, to be a peacemaker. He turns around and he looks at his enemy. His enemy is drowning. His enemy is going to die. And he does what, quite frankly, I would struggle to do. He does the, he does the radical thing. He turns around and he goes back and he reaches out and he saves him. And as he saves his persecutor, as he acts as a reconciler to his persecutor, as he reaches out to him, he knows that he is signing his death warrant. And indeed, he saves his persecutor who locks him up. And Dirk Willems, absolutely transformed by the power of the gospel, a radical follower of Jesus, dies on a pyre of flames. Now that's radical. That's one story. I'll give you one more. Uh, membership. People think church uh, Baptists and they, they do church membership and they think, oh, what the heck? Why would you do that? And then voting. Voting in meetings. Oh, you know, it's, it's just a cause of problem. Um, when Baptists first started introducing membership, it was extremely radical. In the 1800s in England, the only people who had power, the only people who ever voted were the landed gentry in Parliament. The, um, the, the select few men were voting. And Baptists thought, as we discern the mind of Christ, we're going to vote. It's not a democratic thing. It's a Christocratic thing. We're not um, expressing our right to vote. We're, we're bending the knee as we discern what Jesus wants us to do. And we'll just have that top upper crust, just the, the rich men who will vote. No! The Baptists, radical, absolutely radical, countercultural. They say, all of us will vote. We will all be voting. The men, the rich, the poor, the woman. It's just, and, and we can't begin to imagine what an absolute slap in the face this radical behavior was to the, to the dominant culture of the day. That's, that's radical uh, Baptist DNA. There are just a couple of examples. And I love reading that story. That's where we come from. And occasionally, these days, we do it as well. But we need to be more radical because there's so much work to do. And uh, Jesus is, when, when, when Jesus thinks about um, Blenheim and uh, what is possible in Blenheim for the sake of the gospel, uh, he's looking at people like us and he's calling us, be radical, step out, reach out to the, uh, the persecutor. Um, do, it, do it the gospel way, not the culture's way. Those kinds of things. That's, that's, that's radical. And that's, that is Baptist DNA. And so uh, in this room, there's a bunch of really dangerous people. Because oh, I know. <laughs> be, because, because radical is in our DNA. Yeah. Come on. Let's go. Bradley, I'm going to ask Chris another question and you're going to have to follow it because you said a lot of you, your time spent fixing his problems. So I'm now going to ask Chris, I think, and probably others here would say, you, you fit that radical Baptist thing pretty well. Um, you've spent some time, you've been with Oxford Terrace. Um, some pretty radical things have happened. Do you just want to tell us a little bit of the Oxford story, Oxford Terrace story? And okay, I'll try and keep it moving. If, if it goes on, you just 
tell me to stop. Sure. Um, so I've been there 16 years as the pastor. I'm just concluding right now. Um, uh, you, most of you know about the earthquake season at Oxford Terrace. The earthquake season, in the end, the earthquakes were very good for us, and they were very good for me because they drove me to my knees. They forced our church to face um, 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 a, a, a lot of crisis. Uh, they, they, they caused our church to um, become reacquainted with um, the heart of Jesus for the little people. By the little people, I mean the ones who society tends to forget about. Uh, we, we, we had an earthquake. We had a, a crisis. We had to reinvent and we had to rebuild. And uh, it took a long time for the dust to settle and for the trauma to be worked through. And as that process was going on, we noticed that in the city of Christchurch, certain people were missing out. And it was usually the elderly, the, um, the poor, those who uh, were perhaps um, socially um, not as well adjusted. Um, insurance companies especially tended to make a real meal of those folk when it came to the housing um, um, rebuilds because those people were easy to, um, to slap down and to uh, make lowball offers to them and their housing um, needs became more acute uh, because of the earthquake. And, and housing crisis, that became a, a popular term in, in the political realm about two elections ago. You might remember people started arguing about a housing crisis. It was very prominent in Christchurch immediately after the earthquake. And uh, we realised that there was an opportunity for our church to, to do something about the housing crisis. Um, following Jesus, it's a radical exercise, especially if you're a Baptist, it's also, it is inevitable that it is a political exercise. Jesus is not neutral. And I'm not saying Jesus is a lefty. And I'm not saying Jesus is um, a luxy or whatever, you know, um, uh, but... The task of the church is to critique the politicians constantly. And the politicians are not going to fix those big problems. Not on their own. This country has got a housing crisis and it needs the church Come on. to step into that and deal to it. Imagine if across our country it was the church who was leading the way in housing people. So anyway, that's what happened to Dr. Terrace. We started talking like this, and uh, we've built houses. We've built a, a, a new church and, and some other bits and pieces. Um, and then along the way, we, we discovered some, some houses were up for sale just up the street, and we, 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 we bought them. Um, God came among us in amazing ways in terms of the resources that we needed to pull these things off. Um, the city council sold us 10 one-bedroom houses for... Um, how much was it? One point one million dollars. It was, you know, one point one million is quite a lot of money. But when you get ten, that's actually quite good. And uh, they were earthquake damaged. Then we fixed them. We've been quite resourceful. We've worked really hard. And then recently, we've built another um, eleven, and uh, they've been they're finished now. Um, and we've got about fifty, more than fifty people are living in these houses that we've got. Um, it's been the hardest thing. It's been the hardest thing in my life doing building projects at Oxford Terrace. It's taken a decade. It's just about killed me. Dealing with bankers, who actually are very good people, um, the ones we've worked with. Dealing with politicians. Um, there's been some really hard, hard things. And it's worth it. And it's, it's worth it when you're sitting in your office 
and you're wondering how on earth we're going to pay the mortgage and the build's not quite finished, it's running late and we're missing out on rent to, to help pay the bills and then in front, of, in front of me walked a family, a family who've come to New Zealand from another country where they've been victimised, they've come here as refugees and um, they walked past my office, I looked out the window and there they were, they were on their, they're on their phones, they were doing a video call to I don't know where, somewhere overseas, telling their family, you wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't believe where we've landed. It's a brand new house. And we're moving in. And um, on that day, I cried. I cried and I realised all that hard work. And, you know, when, when, in, in, in Luke 4, when Jesus says he has come to, to uh, set the captives free, when he says he's come to uh, release um, people from jail and from their, their, their bondages and their sicknesses, We've got to work out, how are we going to contextualize that? How are we going to live that, look for that kingdom of God manifesto? How are we going to do that in our context now? There's a way of doing it. And um, so that's what we've been trying to do. And as I saw these refugees, I just suddenly realized, ah, that's what we were doing it for. It's worth it. And I mean, it's it's, it's drop in the bucket, these, these houses we've built. But we need a whole heap of drops in the bucket. And we are changing the world. We are putting right all the things that are busted in this world in the name of Jesus. So um, it's been a long road. It's been extremely expensive. And it's worth it. Yeah. So just two quick questions, and then I'm going to Bradley, who's going to fix the problem, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> like how many houses now? Uh, about uh, 24. I think there's 24. Wow. Um, I don't really know how this has happened. I woke up one morning and, and we're a housing provider. It's, it's, it's a blessing. And, you know, uh, the, the, the NIMBYs, it's amazing how many Christians are NIMBYs. What is that about? You know, NIMBYs, not in my backyard. Yeah, NIMBYism. Uh, really scared. Oh, we're building social housing out the back door of the church. There's going to be dramas. There'll be broken windows. Drug addicts, all, all these comments. It's, I mean, it's early days, but we've been doing this for a few years now. It has been a picture of peace and harmony and joy. It wow. is joyous seeing people relaxing, knowing that they're not going to get kicked out of that house. And all of the other social indicators that um, you know, the government likes to talk about, all the other social indicators, they calm right down when there's a house. And we need the church to be delivering to people a house. God's into houses. Come on. So you must be a church of like 5,000, yeah? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's been a boom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think our congregation, on Sundays, there's, uh, we, 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 we have a classical service um, where the organ um, gets an outing, and there's about 30 or 40 people come to that. And then at 11 o'clock, we have a, um, a service just like what happened here this morning. Uh, in my dreams, um, <laughs> um, you know, guitars and things and families and that, and there's probably um, maybe 60 people come to that service, and then at 2pm there's an international service with um, mostly Chinese folk, and there's about 30 or 40 go to that, so, um, you know, in the big picture, it, it's, we're not a big church, we're definitely not a big church, we've got wacky doodle uh, big ideas, but we're not a big church. Yeah, I think we've got 135 members. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Have we? <laughs> <laughs> so it still counts the ones that have left. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, Bradley, you work in the collision space, right? Between this guy's 
wacky doodle ideas, as he called them, and other people's wacky doodle ideas. I'm sure that there's a culture of wacky doodle ideas in your church. Uh, but you kind of work in that collision space between kingdom and finance, where people start saying things like, the church is being run like a business, or the church should be poor, it should be giving away everything it has, and so on. And there's times where I've seen a church where kingdom and finance can almost seem like they're at war with each other, but in your circles, and when I hear you talk about it, they seem to work together incredibly well. Do you want to just wax lyrical about that for a bit? Yeah, so um, I think I'll start with, with sort of what, we, what we've done. So um, as Chris has, has kind of said what, what we've done, we, we have um, we've built houses, we've built community spaces, and we've built church spaces. Uh, if you say it really quickly, um, we, we've spent $20 million in the last nine years, and, um, and, and for that $20 million, we got uh, t- 24 houses with um, f- 50 bedrooms of accommodation that, that house um, over 60 people. Um, we've built offices for nine different NGOs, including World Vision, um, have their South Island office in our building, among um, you know Canterbury Youth Services that put on Easter Camp, um, among, among many others. Um, and then we've built church and community spaces, and we have over 70 community groups that use our buildings casually. Um, the City Council and... Um, and the, the DHB are some of our biggest hires of our um, of our community spaces. So um, we, we've done we've done a lot of um, development, and, and I've had the privilege over the last uh, nine years of, um, of of project managing the the whole lot. <laughs> um, and, and Chris, that's why you look so good for eighteen. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and. Uh, but it, but it didn't start there. So if I, if I tell you that story. Um, I imagine it probably makes you think um, oh, that that's kind of daunting. Um, you know, how, how could we how could we do that? And, and then you've heard from Chris. You know, our church isn't large, and, and so I guess I would want to share the story of um, who I was um, when, as Charles said, I, I guess I, I began to fix my eyes on Jesus. And um, I, I moved um, I, I moved 13 years ago to uh, to Christchurch and actually moved in uh, the church at that point did have a, a house and I moved into the church's student flat. It lasted 10 days until I lost everything I owned um, in the earthquakes and I was moving to to university to study accounting and finance. I um, I did a couple of years of accounting and finance. I read this great book through that season um, called the Bible, and and as I um, as I read the Bible. I began to be um, captivated by this uh, this vision, you know, that this vision of, of caring for the least and, and, and the lost and the lonely, and um, and this vision of, of the world that was broken, and, and our world was literally broken, you know, we, our, our church fell down, a church building fell down, my house fell down, um, my wife was, uh, my, my, my wife, which was then my girlfriend, was sick with glandular fever and was bedridden, you know, I'm living in this brokenness, and I'm thinking... Oh, thank goodness I've got this book that's telling me one day this is going to be restored because I'm not looking, not liking the uh, look of everything that I'm seeing out my um, out my door. And then I'm sitting in a university lecture, lecture, a finance lecture, and uh, they were talking about the Cadbury story of, of palm oil. I'm not sure if you remember when uh, consumers revolted and refused to buy Cadbury because we didn't like the taste of the waxy chocolate. I think you said talk wax lyrical. We didn't like the we didn't like the the, the, the taste of this waxy cho- chocolate. 
We were then given a demonstration as to why, um, how you could financially analyze ethical decisions and how you could use ethical branding to make your company more money. And basically how Cadbury hadn't done their research that consumers are now ethically conscious and we need to consider that in our financial decisions. And, and I'm sitting there thinking, my life if I stay in this is going to lead down this path. And I'm reading this book that's telling me my life is going down an, another path. And it's at that moment when, uh, when, when, when I just remember God, God saying to me, you know, I want you to be called to the least, the lost, and the lonely. And, and not just, that, that doesn't just mean turning up on a Sunday and, and giving 10% of the income you're earning in your finance job. For me, that meant my life. You know, everything that I had being given to that call and that purpose. So, so I, I thought, okay, I'm going to work with the less, the lost, and the lonely. So um, this is, um, you know, this is going 11 years ago. So I went in and spent two years working at a, um, a centre um, for, for people with, um, with, with physical um, and mental disabilities. And, and I worked in that, um, and so I, I thought, um, you know, this is how I'll help. And so, so I did that for a couple of years. And then, um, and, and that was great. And, and um, it was such a um, fullness, and I saw so much of God um, through, through that season. But God said to me um, in that time, you know, you've got some skills and giftings that, uh, that maybe you could use um, beyond, beyond that. All right, I'm going to go to India. So I went to India and I thought, uh, business is mission, that's what I'm going to get into. And it was actually vomiting over a, a toilet um, in, in India where I was asked to become the treasurer of Oxford Terrace Baptist Church. <laughs> Hang on, um, which one came first? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I was definitely taken advantage of in my vulnerable state. Um, but, uh, <laughs> um, so, so I guess the reason why I tell that story and, and what I want you to hear is, is, is when, you know, when we tell the story of the $20 million of, of development and, and, the, and the housing and the, and the business stuff, that's God's story. And, and what did God use to do that? He used a... Um, a, a pastor in his 30s from Greymouth, and he used a 21-year-old university dropout who didn't know what he was doing with his life. And so my question to you is, do you have any university dropouts who don't know what they're doing with their lives? Do you have any people? Um, you know, I think, I, I, I look around this room, and I think you've probably got far more skills and giftings than what we had to offer. Jesus used us for his mission and ministry, and look what was possible. Answer your question. Oh man, <laughs> he's, spe he's speechless. This. Hey, someone, someone, take a photo. Take, take a photo. I think you people have taken quite enough photos. <laughs> All right. Let's. Like, I got some more questions, but just there's been a lot said, and you guys. I mean. I've seen you can piggyback off each other pretty well and just anything to add before like before we get onto scripts anything you want to jump in to contribute to anything that either of you have said so far that yeah Chris told me to get you talking as much yeah. as possible <laughs> quick fun story told my daughter last night we were dropping Taya off and Olivia off at uh, Auntie Jess's because we were going out for dinner and uh, we said we were going out with Chris and with Bradley and with Charles and Taya said is that the king <laughs> So, King, King Charles. Taya, Taya, oh. thinks, Taya thinks that I got to spend my 32nd birthday having dinner with the king last night. So, your highness. 
I mean, I'm, I'm happy with the script, the way it's going. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you can imagine the joy that this, this brings me to, yeah. to, you know, to, to hear these stories, and, and, and um, yeah, I can share more and more throughout the country. But uh, yeah, it's um, um, yeah, gospel renewal is exciting. Hey, it's about uh, yeah, it's about Joshua one. Hey, it's being about being courageous and strong and making bold decisions. Uh, you know, th- and I think this is what we're hearing, eh? Um, it, it's, it's not about mediocrity. Yep. It is about challenging the status quo and making a new way. And, and, and that's the movement I want to lead. That's the, that's the, that's the churches and, and the congregations I want to be part of is, is making a difference um, um, for, for the kingdom. And, um, you know, um, a lot of discussion, eh, at the moment about why young adults leave the church. You know, the young adults don't hang around. Well, it's because, it's because um, we, we, the, our ask of them is not big enough, Shannon. You know, I'm just reflecting on what Brad, Bradley's um, suggested here. You know, um, yeah, I think, we, I think the churches in New Zealand, we, we, need, to, we need to make bigger decisions. We, we need to realise we're talking about the power of God again. Expect big things to happen. Because I'm watching our young adults, and this is all good stuff, don't get me wrong, but they're going off and joining, um, I was talking to a woman not that long ago, joined the United Nations and going over to West Africa. Right. With, the, with the greatest of respect, because the pastor offered her some little job in the church, you know, um, that, 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 that is very important, don't get me wrong, but she had just done a double degree right. and, and could not see how, did not have a big enough ask. And I encourage her as pastor here, yeah. Um, I'd love to clone your pastor, actually. <laughs> I wonder if you realise how good he is. Yes, yes. we do. Yeah, you do? Good. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. Serious, serious question. <laughs> and we, you know, <laughs> Yeah, you he said go off script. But it is a trip. I think I think Yeah, I think I think he's worth listening to. Yeah. I could I could take him all over the country and find churches that would, would want I want to clone you. Um, and so yeah, so 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 I encourage you, Shannon. Um, expect big things of these guys. Put the big ask out there because we're talking about the power of God. We're talking about restoring that all sin has marred and destroyed. Um, and so, um, yeah, let's not be happy with mediocrity. Yeah, we've got to be wise, and we've got to be sensible, and we've got to, and we've got to listen to people. But yeah, that, that, that's, when I hear that story, I think, wow, um, let, let's do big things for Jesus. Yeah. Um, I, I would also say, you know, ours, this is, we've told some of our story, and the numbers are daunting and, and so on. Um, here's, here's a Baptist a Baptist principle. Um, this is a phrase that I really like using from, from our Baptist DNA. The local church is competent to discern the mind of Christ. That's a fantastic line. Everything that's needed is in the room. God has done this. These are the right people. This is the church. And the, ch- you know, the church isn't incomplete. The church is here. And the local church is competent that's, that's the way of saying, you know, when you get together and start dreaming, you're not dreaming in a vacuum. The Spirit of the Lord is with you. And you're gonna, you're, you're, something's going to come to the surface. And together you will discern that it's this. And that's where we're going. Um, and related to that, um, a fantastic um, passage of Scripture, which I, I often reflect back on, thinking about all these different things that, 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 that go on. Second Corinthians chapter 5, 17 to 21. It talks about our task. We are to be uh, ambassadors, emissaries. 
And what is our job? Our job is to um, um, take the reconciliation of all things. We're the ones. God's got nobody else in mind for the, 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 the biggest job that you could imagine, the reconciliation of all things. So what's wrong in Blenheim? Drop a list. What's wrong in Blenheim? And God's got no one else in mind for fixing that. I love that idea because on the last day, the promise is it's all going to be put right. The kingdom will be here in all its fullness. And we are, um, 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 for, everything we do is foreshadowing that last day. We're anticipating it with what we do now as we change things. It's, it's, it's thrilling. The right people are in the room because this is the church. So uh, Chris talked about it being the hardest thing he'd ever done in his life. And uh, it's, it's kind of the only thing I've ever really done in my life. But, <laughs> um, no, um, but you know, often when you have these dream, um, you know, these dream events, it's very easy to, to think about the problems and, and the pitfalls. And, and so I guess I'd share with you, um, we've pretty much experienced everything that could go wrong, um, you know, along, along the way. Um, I mean, we've done it, we've made our way through, so I guess it could have gone worse. But, um, you know, we've had, we've drawn up plans and we've had our dream and we've got the price back for those plans that, that came with a price tag of $30 million and we've realised we, we had just a few. Um, and we couldn't do that, so then we had to go back to the drawing board, split it all up and do it over a decade because, uh, you know, $30 million in one go was, was just not possible. Then we've had moments where um, we, um, you know, we're... Um, the steel that's arrived on site is, is the wrong size um, and it's going to delay the whole, the whole project. We've had moments where there's red wires that were supposed to be red but were blue wires and so that means the whole lift has to be disestablished and the wire replaced because it wasn't, uh, because apparently I've learnt that, um, um, that blue wires burn about 10 minutes quicker than red wires and so it was essential that the wire was um, fire rated and, and, and a red, um, red wire. We've had, and that caused a delay in the rents coming in. So we've had moments where, um, where I said to Chris, um, with these uh, delays, we were expecting the rents to start coming in, and um, we probably can't afford to pay our bills next month. And, and I um, said, what? Uh, <laughs> that and, sounds like a you problem, Bradley. <laughs> and, and, and I, oh man, I better fix this. Um, God, how am I going to fix this? And the next morning, I open zero, and our balance is a hundred thousand dollars higher um, than uh, than I was expecting. And so I scroll through the transactions. What? There's a transaction from one of our members, no reference, hundred thousand dollars, and um, we had no idea it was coming. They had no idea of the situation we were dealing with, but God did. Yeah. And and so when you when you trust God. And when you embark on his vision and you participate in it, you know, you have to be smart. We've had to make decisions where we've discerned the mind of Christ, where we've said, actually, no, we can't, we can't submit to this plans. We're going to have to go back to the drawing board. We're going to have to get it reestablished. We're going to have to live within our means. But when we've held to his vision, he's got this. You know, he's supported this. And then Chris said, it's worth it. And so I've got a few stories about why it's worth it. Um, we bought the, Chris mentioned we bought these 10 units off the city council. And uh, we, we fixed them up. We double glazed them. We put in heat pumps. We put in LED lights, um, and, and we repainted them. We did the earthquake strengthening. Chris got a letter um, in, in the mail, and it said, um, 
I've lived in this place for 17 years. And, and I came home, uh, when I moved into the new, because we, we shuffled them in twos, and, and when I moved into my fully refurbished one, I, I, I was trying to find where the, because this is in July, I was trying to find where the, um, you know, which heater was on. And, 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 um, and there was no heater on. The double glazing has made such a difference, and for the first time in my life, I am warm. Then uh, the, the next day, or the next week, I was, I was in visiting her, because there was still a few defects to sort out, and, and, and you know, she said to me, why did you people do this? You know, why did you do this for me? And when my response to, to her is because God told me to. You know, because God has compelled me to help you. And she's sitting there thinking, these people in the church care more about me than the city council ever did. That's when it's worth it. Another, another moment when it's worth it. Um, you know, we had an election a few months ago. Um, it's taken all the sort of... You know, we've been reminded of it this week again as we've sort of relived through the, um, you know, the dramas. You're but a bit like the coalition, actually. The question you should have asked. That's a, that's a Winston Peters quote. Thanks, Winston. Um, and, and there was about 12 of us who live, because I, I live in the, um, in the housing um, community that, we're, that we've got, there's about 12 of us walking, um, walking to vote together. And, um, and, and one of the guys who's come into New Zealand as a refugee... Um, you could not wipe the smile off his face. And, and I said, oh, um, and, and, and he said to me, that's the first time in my life that I've been able to vote. Wow. And, um, you, know, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, wow, I've sort of taken my freedoms for granted. You know, we, we often argue about who we should vote for or whatever, and we forget the fact that we live in a country where we're even allowed to participate in voting. And for someone who was in, this guy's in his 30s, and never in his life had he been able to participate in a, not even just a free election, an election, that's when it's worth it. That's gospel renewal. So the next question that I sort of had on here for all of us to talk about was around these three words, which we're already kind of covering. So let's just, faith, risk, and stewardship. They kind of dance together, right? Because we've all heard examples of things that haven't gone well or stupid risks or, you know, all those sorts of things. That's, that's when you call Charles and go, it's, <laughs> help. Uh, but so how do we, how, and how have you guys, and, and Charles, you've seen others in other churches, how are people doing the dance between faith, risk, and stewardship? I think these, these guys can... Um these can talk, guys can talk about, I think, stewardship and, and, and some of those financial decisions better than me. But, but I, I noted down a few examples, Shannon. Do you want from around the country yeah. of those things coming together? That'd, that'd would be that be would that be helpful just to, yeah. to hear yeah. as as you dream? Um, you know, there's a there's a Baptist church of 30 people um, that has decided their thing. God's calling them to the revitalisation of their local marae. And now they have a young adults ministry, a youth ministry on that marae um, with 70 young people. Awesome. And the kamatua are, are, can't believe it, lives are on a different trajectory. That is gospel renewal. Um, the Baptist girl, this is, this is a great one, the Baptist girl who made a radical decision to post her baptism photos on Instagram and a girl who was about to take her life saw her face and contacted her because there was so much joy, and now that girl is a follower of Jesus. Um, the three largest mental health providers 
organisations in New Zealand outside the government are run out of Baptist churches. The Baptist church that set up a dentist service, <laughs> so people who couldn't afford dentistry are now praying free, that's gospel renewal. The Baptist church that transformed the local school that no one wanted to attend, that they filled it with teachers, that they got on the board of trustees, and they started sending their kids there. And now they've had to bring in zoning because so many people want to go to that, that school. That, that there is gospel renewal. The church that established a centre for women with unexpected pregnancies. This is a Baptist church up north. And they choose to journey with the woman despite the decisions that they make. Um, the Baptist church that realised their community was all involved in sport on Sunday. I like this one. They, they looked around and they thought, everyone's down there at midget rugby. And so. so they changed the time of their services. And you know what they did? They, they trained them all to be ch um, sports chaplains. <laughs> that, that, that's, a ra that's radical. That's radical. And that's, and that's gospel renewal. I'm not saying that might be what you do here, but that's, that's what a Baptist church has done uh, in the last few years. Um, oh, yeah, up north again, the Baptist church shifted the town's focus from gang affiliation to community gardening. They've established a whole lot of community gardens, and they're actually feeding their community. That, that, there, that there is gospel renewal. The radical Baptist who, after seven years of training to be a lawyer, heard the call of God to be a community youth pastor, and they followed it. No. The Baptist church that realized people were most often, most open to the gospel at death, times of death and grief, so they opened a funeral parlor, and it's thriving. I think that's a good thing. Yeah. 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 Um, People I, I, are dying to get it. Yeah, I, I could go on. I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but there's a radical decision, and, it, and, and, and gospel renewal is resulting. And, and I could go on and on. I, mean, I, haven't, I haven't talked about, we haven't, no one's talked about Glen Eden Baptist. Right. And out of Glen Eden Baptist comes um, Vision West. 1,500 community carers around the country. Might be more, I think. Might be 1,700. But that there is gospel renewal. Yeah. Um, people and places being changed. Um, so, so um, That'd be one of those three largest, again, would well, they? Yeah, they weren't. They weren't, yeah, but they, they weren't, they weren't they were, no. I was thinking of the three different ones, right. actually. But, 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 but um, there's, there's a lot of freedom. There's a lot, you know, going back to your question about risk, and because and, 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 yeah, a, a slightly different story, I know time's going, but very quickly, I, I was invited to preach at a, at a small church, in rural New Zealand, and I turned up opposite to one of the stories that I told you. And I got there early, and I was just standing outside the door, and an older turns up on their push bike, looking depressed and glum and down. So, oh, he says, he says, they're never going to come to our church. And, you know, he's talking, oh, I ride my bike to church every Sunday. And it's the same story. All our town are at midget rugby on Sunday morning. They're never going to come to our church. I just thought how sad that is. Right. You know, be radical. You have my permission. Shut the church on Sunday mornings and get some oranges and go and give it out to. So I think, I think often, um, you know, it's, it's around permission. We, we, we're scared. Is it okay to do that? Are we allowed to do that? Right. Absolutely, you are, Connect Church. Come on. You are absolutely allowed to do it. We're talking about the kingdom of God here. Come on. Yeah. And we're talking about decisions for eternity. So, yeah, we have to be wise, and these guys will be wise in answering the question. But, but yeah, we, 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 we've got to start taking risks for the kingdom. 
um, sensible risks. But yeah, we need to take risk. Um, yeah, I'll try to give you a glimpse. That's why, that's why I love being the leader of this movement, because we have churches from the north to the south who are doing these things that you're beginning to dream about. Uh, I know you are involved in a lot of these things, but far out, I'd love to add two or three initiatives from Connect Church over the next two or three years to my list. I wonder what it will be. Stewardship. Uh, um, <clears throat> you, you talk about... Like about <laughs> did, you want, did you want to talk about stewardship? Oh, no, no, no. oh good, good, good. Um, Shannon, Shannon asked about, about stewardship. And, and I think for, for, for many, that is a word get that, that I would say gets misused. It, it, stewardship seems to be a word that gets used to, um, to, to keep what we've got. Right. Um, and, and, and then you read the Bible. I've, I've read the Bible. I sort of look at the, the story of the talents, and that's not a story about that. And, and when I think about stewardship, what I think about is, what is Jesus calling me to do with my assets, my time, and my heart? That's what I think. When I'm stewarding my assets, and so when as a church you're talking about stewardship, I would encourage you to think about what would Jesus say if he was in this meeting right now? What would Jesus be saying to you, this is what you should do with your properties? This is what you should do with your finances? Oh, I definitely think that Jesus would be telling you to, um, to continue to employ this man. Um, so so don't, don't, don't hear that. You know, don't, don't hear that wrong. Um, because I think That's this so is... Guilty. That um, <laughs> this is someone who I've got to know over the years, and, and I think he's absolutely captivated by Jesus and wanting to see um, this people in this place following Jesus. Um, but what else would Jesus say that you could do with, with your buildings? Would Jesus say to you that you're currently using your, your wealth and your equity in the best way for his purposes? Because if he wouldn't say that, then I'd encourage you to consider how maybe you could pivot. And that's personally, that's, that's with your personal wealth and finances, and that's with your church's wealth and finances. Because that's what I think stewardship is. I think stewardship is listening to the call of God on your life and thinking practically about how you can use everything you have to follow him. Uh, just, just quickly, uh, 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 faith, risk, stewardship. Uh, I, I, I would encourage you to uh, work really hard on clarity. Dream dreams, come up with outrageous ideas that you know are radical and that Jesus is calling you to pursue and get it really clear so that there's no doubt in your mind. It's, it's this, and you can say it to one another clearly so that when you've hit the bumps in the road and stewardship is, you know, we're still worrying about how we're going to make, you, you still know exactly where you're going and why. Real clarity, that's, um, that's, that's important. I've got two questions, but they should be quick. Because okay. we want to be done by 11.45. That's the plan. Um, this one's going to be fun. I'm just going to throw it out there. For all of you to comment on in your own uh, different ways, what do you think of mortgages? A mortgage is useful. If it, if it en enables the church to pursue what God is calling it to, if it's useful for the purposes of the church. Yeah, I think um, you, you need to, uh, to prayerfully consider is the vision and is what the mortgage being spent on something that God is calling us to? Because if it is, 
then I think we're also thinking that God is going to uh, to, to, to provide for us in, in servicing that. And, and we also have the benefit as Baptist faith communities to be able to borrow from Christian savings, which means that we're actually borrowing from a collection of Christians and churches who are investing in that mortgage. And, and so, so when I say that, I think of, um, yeah, I think um, mortgages are a tool that can be used to help you fulfill your um, vision and mission. Um, they're a means to an end. Any thoughts on that, Charles? Uh, I agree with them. I mean, there's always a risk, but you minimise risk by by, by um, using experts yep. and getting good advice. That, that's the other thing. Yeah. Yep. How We're, big's yours? Let's uh, compare mortgages that, for a no, minute. No, 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 no. No, no. no I'd no. love to know. I like. I just. I want to. Okay. Like, like, here's the thing. I don't know the exact number of hours, but you're about to make ours seem <laughs> really good. Uh, what, what I would. What I would love to do is to share it with you. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, the, the, the mortgage at Oxford Terrace is 10 million. Yeah, it's quite big. And because of what we've done, the, the, way, the way things are set up, you know, there's a lot of rent, and the rent is servicing the mortgage. And uh, interest rates haven't helped us in recent times, but um, there are, you know, if, 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 if you've got a really good plan that you're sure God has given to you and you've used expert advice, this isn't the sort of thing you do on the back of an envelope. No. Um, and, 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 and to be frank, this isn't um, what a, a, a local church finance committee uh, necessarily um, um, nuts out on their own. It's really important to get expert input when you're doing these things. But proportionally, you know, when Oxford Terrace first got kicked off and they did their first big build, uh, their mortgage back in the day was monumental. So, you know, proportions over time, you know, um, ch- churches do these things at different points in their history, especially when they're certain that God is opening a door for them. In 30 seconds or less, what would you encourage us at Connect as we dream, as we head into the future, what would your encouragements be from the journeys you've walked, the insight you have, the spiritual gifts that God's put into your lives? um, What would you say to us? Yep, two things. Firstly, get on your knees. It's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. And, and God most often works through the organic. We have all our plans and all our big pictures, and boom, something comes up, or a person arrives. So, so, so yeah, we must be on our knees. And secondly, love and serve one another. If I was your pastor and I was starting to dream together and thinking about big projects, I'd just be camped in the second half of Romans 12. Because... This will never happen. It will never work unless you love and serve one another here. And, and you know, on your knees, loving each other, eyes firmly fixed on Jesus. Yep. Awesome. Jesus doesn't call us to a, to a life of comfort. When, when Jesus called the disciples, I don't think many of them, maybe they did, but uh, um, they, the cost for them was death. You know, um, it calls us to a risky life following Jesus. It's not a life of comfort. So, so when you're considering that, take those risks. But, but I also think um, we're not in this alone. And our story has been one of, um, as we've taken those risks, God has provided. But for Connect Blenheim, you guys aren't in this alone. You are part of a wider family. When we talk about the experts, there's people you can call upon. 
we have been privileged to have people from um, all sorts of professions um, within our wider Baptist and even non-Baptist um, family support us and guide us through this, um, through this decision. We are the church, and we are better together. And so I would say it's risky, but you are not alone. Uh, t- two, two references to tears. What do you reckon in this town gets a tear in the eyes of Jesus? What, what, what is going on in this town that Jesus is really, really not happy about? And how could we join in on fixing it? And the second one is right at the end of, uh, of the book, in, in uh, the second to last or last chapter in Revelation, I can't remember, we get, a cl- we get a glimpse of what God thinks of people. And it's a huge motivator for what we would want to do. And it is when um, it's all being wrapped up and God's dwelling places with people and people are with God. And there's this beautiful line, he will wipe every tear from their eye. And that's, that's what we're anticipating that as we do all these things um, in the name of Jesus. It's a beautiful image. God loves people so much. How can, we, how, can we, how can we share that? Imagine uh, participating in, in, in what God is doing. Imagine participating in that idea of, of you know, everything that's busted, the tear, the tear is being wiped away by, by the living God. I want to join in on doing that. Has this been good? Yeah. Have you been inspired and encouraged and hopefully, you know, even dare I say, commissioned by our region and our national leader. Um, can we honour these guys this morning for what they've shared? <laughs> our service here is going to conclude in just a moment, but you are more than welcome to join us for tea and coffee in the other building. Um, make sure you pick your children up along the way and, um, you know, Continue to fellowship, continue to church, continue to dream. Uh, Next Sunday, 